Good, crisp fall morning, Heartland. I joined the worship team and just greeting you, now a well-greeted Heartland family. I'm Craig Cheney and just grateful for the opportunity to be together. How many of you were hoping to be together last week and were unable to due to the water main break? Any of you affected by that? Yeah, a few of you. Did you bring your own water today? I mean, how, how did you come prepared? I don't know. See the outhouses outside? I, I don't know. We're just so grateful you were patient and long-suffering with uh, what we were suffering with internally. We thought about distributing life jackets and flippers, so as you entered the atrium, you could just swim your way into here, but we chose to let you have other alternatives. But so grateful the water's repaired, we're back in operation, and we're all together here in this service today. You know, speaking of seasons, uh, seasons of challenge, like water main breaks, this is a season of beautiful transition. Isn't it amazing that God would see fit that in a season of transition, he produces remarkable color? I don't know if you've had the opportunity to get out and walk or drive a bit, but it is a season of remarkable color, and yet we know it's a season that's moving into quiet, where it's going to be kind of colorless. Unless you believe the weather report of later this week where it's going to get a little white, honestly. Have you read that? All of you looking forward to a white Halloween? I mean, I, of course, that's what we all woke up wishing for. Spoke with someone earlier who said, please don't short circuit our fall. It's my favorite time of year. Don't get it over too quick. It's what happens, right? We're here. We're in Kansas. But on, on the point of season that God would meet us in the season we're in, especially if it's a season of transition, and he would bring color. He would remind us of his presence, that he's designed his activity into our everyday world, everyday life, and made it possible for us to see it and experience it. So welcome to fall and the color and the beauty of it. A number of you got the chance to taste fall firsthand as you embraced running for clean water. And so for those of you that did it, raise your hands. Who ran for clean water? Awesome. Let's give them a big hand. 66. Yeah. 66 Heartlanders gathered up and ran the Kansas City Marathon or Half Marathon last weekend and raised over $102,000 that will go to provide clean water for over 2,000 people for the rest of their life. Is that just not amazing? It's just phenomenal. So grateful for those of you who embraced this, took it on and did it. Talked with someone earlier who didn't run at all until last year and then ran again this year. So there's something about it that uh, has helped engage a community of people here committed to providing the needs of others through running. So way to go. You know, another thing that we do during the season is we often uh, provide a meal preparation experience where we pack meals at the end of the month of December, and we have decided not to do that this year, but we know that so many of you are oriented to the out, to providing for the food and secure, and we wanted to provide you a list of opportunities where you could serve the people of Kansas City who need food. And there are a couple of ways you can access this. You can do it online. And there'll be a list of places we encourage you to check out, places that we're in partnership with here in the Kansas City area. Or you can stop by the hub and pick up a, a, a page that just lists these opportunities. We want to make sure to get this in your hands. So if that's of interest to you, your family, your friends, or your coworkers, you can get signed up soon and have an opportunity to serve in this season of celebrating God's generosity to us. So take advantage of that, especially in this season. 
This is a season of celebration for us as Heartland. So over the next two months, we're going to focus our attention in two specific ways. In the month of November, in our services, we're going to be in a series we called Thresholds. And thresholds just simply represent this crossing over, this moving from one place to another, this sense of breakthrough. And for each of us, we find ourselves in places at times where we need to move from where we are into what's next. And our prayer and our desire is that God's the one moving us into that new place. He's the one who's preparing the way or catalyzing the event or the experience. He's the one carrying us across the threshold. And sometimes those thresholds surface with key questions. So we're going to approach the month with some key questions, and we're going to ask God for the answers. And hopefully they'll be the kinds of questions you ask, and you will find God's answers personal to you. And then in the month of December, we're focused on light breaking through darkness. So Christmas at Heartland is focused on light breaking through darkness. And we just encourage you, invite a friend, bring a coworker, as we experience together the generosity of God, not willing to leave us in darkness, but to break through with his light. So plan on that as we enjoy that together. You know, a lot of you have been experiencing God's light breaking through around your personal identity and your personal direction. You've been in this I Am series. Some of you have been a part of the trainings on Tuesday night. Others have experienced a training like it we call unique. And when you hear in the report outs today, you hear the term unique, just think of I am on steroids, okay? Now, that's a positive use of steroids. I want you to know that. It's a good thing. But these are people who've embraced a multi-week journey in defining clarity about their identity and their direction, their purpose. So as we celebrate what God's doing, Seth's going to come up a little bit later and welcome us into a celebration of God's activity in this season, including specifically the I Am series. But on the way there, we want to hear from the Closters. Jake and Jenny want to offer you their story of their journey into clarity about their design and their direction. Remember when Seth comes up, give him a bold Heartland welcome. Let's join Jake and Jenny. My name's Jake, this is my wife Jenny. <laughs> I was coming here at the time and um, she was not quite ready yet, but then eventually she came and fell in love with Heartland. And, um, yeah, no. Now she's all in. It's pretty awesome. But you're telling your story. Oh well, I'll that, tell mine. That was my story. <laughs> all right. I walked into these doors and realized this is home. Um, I heard worship starting, and oh, here come the tears. And um, realized, wow, God does love me, and I have a relationship with Him. And I know him, and he knows me, and I talk to him like he's my best friend. And uh, I know that he loves me as his child now. So it's been a, an amazing kind of transformation for me. We had a pretty tough 2018. A lot of stuff had happened, um, and we were kind of in a storm. So. When we heard about Unique, it's kind of that everyone has that deep down 
what sense of why am I here? Why did God make me? You know, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? And it was perfect, and the program sounded perfect, and I I wanted to grow deeper with Jesus and just know, like, you know, what makes me tick? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? You kind of declutter everything else out of your life and kind of drill down to what makes you tick and, and what you're passionate about and what your gifts are. Going through unique and finding my core value of presence um, and not like the gift kind, but the other kind, <laughs> um, really kind of relates well to one another because I, my core value is that I want someone to be engaging with me um, when I sit with them. Uh, I want a, a, a good conversation. One of his core values is, I'm gonna label it as quiet time, mm -hmm. um, that he needs quiet time with Jesus. That's how he recharges, and I now realize that giving him time to ride his bike, that that will then recharge his soul so that then he can be present for me. So then meeting one of his core values meets one of mine. It's definitely made us more intentional. Um, Absolutely. Like, we, we, we have our goals, we have our plans and what we want to hit, and it's, here's how you do it, and here's how you hit them. But it's made us literally put it out on paper and say, this is what we want for ourselves individually, for our family, and then there's that accountability each week where you go back and you do the quick reflection of, um, on paper and mm -hmm. make sure you're on track, give yourself a little grade, and that accountability, I think, is huge because we have our plan, and now it's let's go implement it. It's pretty uplifting, too, because you can see um, through all these assessments how you're made, how you're wired, and God did that for you, you know? Yeah. Like you. My kids mean everything to me, and to fully understand that that that's how God feels about each of us and then some is an incredible experience and I don't think that I would have come to that emotion if you will um, without this process it grows you relationally for sure yeah so my two words are fostering love my six words are it's to illustrate uh, God's love through my human interaction with other people. My two words are encouraging faith. And my 12 words-ish are it's encouraging others in their walk in faith and walking with them, you know, mm -hmm. with Jesus and just walking by their side. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, isn't it, to be invited into someone's real life story and then see God meet them in that. I don't know about you, but that does something in me, even just watching their story. And I believe the Lord has something for you and for your story as well. 
I want to begin with kind of a story I once heard about a Russian rabbi who lived during the Cold War era in Russia. And it was a particularly dark time in his life and in the life of his country and in world events. And that darkness and despair and disillusionment had just sent him on a tailspin. And so as he was prone to do, he went for a walk out on a cold Siberian night. And the only thing that rivaled the cold in the night sky was the frigid nature that was just over his heart. And he found himself walking further than he usually did as a result and wound up unwittingly in the Russian authority uh, compound uh, area. And this was strictly off limits to civilians. And the quietness in the night sky was broken as this this young Russian soldier barked, Who are you? What are you doing here? Well, this took him aback, but there was something about being asked those questions that caused warmth in his heart and hope to rise. And he said, excuse me? Well, who are you? What are you doing here? And then he walked up, this rabbi, to this young soldier and asked the most odd question. He said, how much are they paying you? which really was not a good idea to ask a question such as that at the time. He said, I, I, I don't, who are you? What are you doing here? And the rabbi's response was this. I will pay you the same amount of money if you will ask me those two questions in that order every day. You see, I'd forgotten. I'd felt like a victim of my circumstances. I'd forgotten the most important questions of who I am, a child of God, and therefore I have a purpose, something he has for me to do. Well, who are you, and what are you doing here? See, these are questions we're finishing asking today, but we've been asking for almost two months in our I Am series. Questions of who am I, that's the identity question. It's so important. Who are you at the core? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Because God looks at you, and God knows you, and he loves you. But when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And then what are you doing here? That's the purpose question. We all were made to make contributions that are tailor-made for each one of us. When you go through your daily life, do you have a sense of purpose beyond yourself? Does that make you glad and put a a, a skip in your step? Does it give you strength and courage and confidence to go after every battle? Or do you feel like you're walking around aimlessly without purpose? See, these are the questions we've been asking, and it's our hope that as we've helped you ask these questions, give you some tools to work through, that you have more clarity on both of those, that you're more and more clear that you are a child of the living God, that you've been created with gifts and passions and skills, that you are a unique, one-of-a-kind masterpiece. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. You've been created to do good works that God has created you in advance to do, and it flows out of through, through who you are. Hopefully you have some clarity. You've been able to name some things as you've been with us, if you haven't. By the way, if this is your first Sunday, so glad you're here. This is the best Sunday to have started your journey at Heartland. 
and we're glad to welcome you as well. But let me be that young Russian soldier today asking you one more time, who are you? What are you doing here? Rob Wegner asked us a few weeks back, he brought up this quote that I loved, and it was Mark Twain, and he said, the two most important days in a person's life are the day they're born and the day they find out why. Isn't that a great thought? It's awesome, but it's incomplete. Because our world would tell you that to answer those questions, you have it deep within you. Try a little harder, look a little deeper, read this, do that. If you just try hard enough, you can pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's a lie. God wants us to know who we are. God has great plans and purposes for each one of us. But it's not based on us getting our act together or picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's found in something much more solid and foundational. And we're told of that in Ephesians chapter one. We're told the secret. It says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. You see, long before we first heard of Christ, God has his eye on us. He had designs for us, for glorious living. That's part of what he's working out in everything and in everyone. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when God looks at you, he sees a masterpiece of his design? Have you come to claim that when God uh, has lifted you up from wherever he's been, because the reality is we all have a past, that God has a glorious life in store that includes fulfilling his purpose, not just in you, but through you. Things that he's working out for every person in every place. And so I want to end our discussion together by where we started Because this I am journey has been so important and I believe to the core of my being that when God's people, that's you and I, get clear on our identity, that we are a beloved son or daughter of his, that he's made on purpose for a purpose. And when we own that, it gives us freedom and it lets us walk that out and make a difference in the world that God wants to do, that he can only do through his people who are called by his purposes. I believe that, but that's, contingent. That's secondary. This is a really hard truth for me to comprehend, but I'm not the center of the universe, and neither are you. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And so I want to take us to a passage of Scripture. It's from the Psalms. And so we've been trekking with this guy named David. We know David as this greatest king of Israel. He's the one who slayed the giant Goliath and delivered God's people. And we've walked his journey for six or seven weeks. But we've also said he is a worshiper. Not just a musician and not just a singer, but someone who knows who he is, and who's able to articulate that on pen and paper. And so in Psalm 139, we have the quintessential, what I would call an I am psalm, where it tells us who we are and who God is 
And it gives us that solid encouragement and hope. And so I'm gonna read it twice, actually. But this first time, I'm just gonna read an excerpt from the passage. I want you to focus on how clearly David knows that he's loved. How intimate his connection and relationship is with his father. And how through this identity he has in God, that gives him courage and confidence for everything from the past to the present to the future. So follow along on the screen as I read aloud. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and follow me and place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. I was woven woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you see how secure David was because he knew of the love, the gracious love of his generous father had been to him? There's so much we could pull from this passage, but I want to briefly mention three things. The first is David knows that he's made wonderfully by God. And that changes everything for him. Do you know the same about you? That God made you beautifully, marvelously, wonderfully. My hope and my prayer is that when you look in the mirror, you see not the blemishes, but you see yourself as your father sees you with such great love and pride. You are my beautiful, gorgeous daughter. You are my strong, strapping son. You are a masterpiece. And the more you deny that, the more you deny your father who is said here, he's the the workman, the great workmanship that is you. It's so amazing. Second thing that stands out is the Lord knows everything about you and about me. The Lord knows the good things and the bad things. The Lord knows the marvelous things and the mundane things. The Lord sees it and knows when you're right there with him doing the good work and he knows when you couldn't be further away. He knows you at your best, he knows you at your worst and he loves you just the same. Do you believe that? David did. David would give you a run for your money in terms of sinning and running away and doing things that should never be done. He's king of that. You and I are paupers when it comes to it. But God loved him and loves us more than we can imagine. And the third thing we see in this passage is that God was over the past, present, and future. God was there in the past, in the good and the hard times. Doesn't mean he caused everything, but God was there even then. 
says, you both proceed. He goes ahead of us to prepare a good future. You follow me, you're behind me, and right now you have your hand of blessing on my head. This is the courage and confidence that we can have as sons and daughters of God. This is a great I am psalm. Do you see it? And more importantly, do you see yourself in it? Because I believe that the God of the universe wants you to know he sees you in this way. Because when we come to understand who we are, it sets us free to be everything he's called us to be, and then we can do what he's asking us to do. So part of this I am journey, we've had a Tuesday night experience that will conclude this Tuesday. And each of those friends who've participated will be able to identify their calling, their purpose, in two words. We heard Jake and Jenny fostering joy or love, or it was fostering was in there for her. And then his was encouraging others. They'll be able to articulate that in powerful ways that will be direction setting. I had the opportunity to do that myself and, and just came up with these two words that, that have shaped who I am, shepherding movement. Not a bad job for a pastor, eh? To shepherd, to care for people. But not just, just a few kind of here and now, but shepherding movement that we as God's people could be cared for and go in some direction. And it's an awesome thing to see that and step into that and experience that. And it can be a challenge. Because a true confession is sometimes our greatest strengths can lead to shadow sides or, or blind spots or negative things. And for me, I can overestimate my own importance. I can become the center of the universe. And that's when things start to fall apart. I can get confused thinking it's my job to care for God's people. I can think when and if we get stuck or you get stuck, that it's my job to fix you. When there's a good shepherd who reminds me, oh, no, no, I'm God, you're not. And so I had the chance during the nine o'clock service was sitting during, or standing during worship. It was that third song, Glorious Ruins. Do you remember that one? Such a beautiful picture of who we are. The best of us at our best is nothing more than a glorious ruin. And the worst of us at our worst is nothing more than something ruined, but glorious in God's eyes. He can redeem all of that. And so knowing my tendency to overestimate the importance I bring when sharing a message like this, felt like the Spirit of God was prompting me in the moment to not sing the chorus. I got to listen as you, as we were singing, let the ruins come to life in the glory of your name, rising up from the ashes, God, forever you reign. As you were singing, my soul will find refuge in the shadow of his wings as you were declaring, I love you forever, and forever I'll sing. I'm sitting there in silence, I'm listening, I felt like I had a front row seat, I felt like the Lord was just impressing on me his pride. So he just said, these are my kids. These are my kids. God's voice, by the way, not mine. Because that's the way he sees you. He loves you. 
He loves us. He wants us to understand that and to live that out. And that's so important. And that's where we've been this whole journey. But if we're not careful, we can make that about us instead of about God or about others. And so I want to have us take one more moment to look at a story, one of our own, of uh, Derek and Allison, how God has shown them who they are. He's brought identity and calling to that as they're living it out and how they're pouring it out beyond themselves to others. Take a look. Derek did his unique first, um, and it was really fun to watch him go through that process. And so um, after he, he did the unique um, program, he suggested that it would be good yeah. for me as well. I think the great thing with Unique is that it celebrates each person's strengths and helps us, brings those to the top and then helps us see that in each other and it gives us a new appreciation for each other and how we work together. So um, I think it's been interesting to see our strengths and how they're cooperative. Yeah, she got promoted to chief prayer officer in our family, <laughs> and I'm just a schmoozer. <laughs> I think we're talking the same vernacular, if that makes sense. You know, it's funny, if, we had, if Allison didn't do unique, we'd be on two different pages in the mm -hmm. sense of, well, I got my two words, what? You know, it at least gives us a common language and a goal together. If I'm gonna follow this, she's gotta be doing it too. Um, and just knowing she would love it. It just helps us see each other better. Like it helps us yeah, that's a great understand point. what um, your, the most important things to you are. You understand the most important things to me and to just helps us respect that better and respect each other. You know, I made the scary prayer of tell me what you want me to do and he actually started doing it, which I'm like, okay, wow. You know, so I went going through this door to the next door and Unique was one of those doors that opened. And so I was in this really open season of saying, okay, if I'm trusting you through these, I'm here for a reason. It really helped me. I knew I was supposed to be there. And so the hard parts that I saw, you know, like, you're not really good at this. It's hard to hear when you're a driver, but really it wasn't about not good at this, but here's where you should focus. And I've heard these same, use these same tools in ways of business for years, you know, um, strength finders and all these other tests, but it was about always the vocation. And this was about my holistic relationship, um, faith, family, work, all those pillars, and it really God helped me ease the pain of what I wasn't good at. Forget about that. Here's what I made you for. And so that's what really was at the end. You know, it was like a, you know, it was a quick band-aid off. For me, I feel like it's uh, just helped me focus on hearing God, knowing the goals that I've prayerfully set with Him. It just helps me focus on hearing his voice more in those areas. So my two words are caring with compassion. Um, and uh, I feel like that's who I am at home. And as I'm walking, stepping more fully into a career, that's who I am at work. Um, and it's who I am with my friends. So when I'm at my best, I'm doing those two things. Accelerating vision was mine. Um, goes to how do I use that apostle type profile that I have and my drive and everything like that um, and what I do it for and usually it's vision is something around community being okay with having fun I those who know me I never there's always a good time for a joke even if it's the wrong time we have a small group in our community uh, we've been together seven years 
mm-hmm. about seven years. We've known them longer, but a few of those guys, we were just messing around. And I think my son got a guitar. I've always messed around with guitar as a drummer. Long story short, um, we just started practicing, practicing, and now it became four. And, it, and um, so Sunday, we had a backyard barbecue. It was fun to play. It was fun to announce, hey, we're just regular guys playing some rock and roll songs. And by the way, we love Jesus. And it was something, and it just, those events, I get goosebumps because it wasn't about we were not great musicians, but it was a really great community event. And that stuff, we're already, I'm already thinking about next year, and I'm like, oh, we have it set up. We should do like church in the backyard afterwards, and then you get the kids to play. And so the really thing was that community feeling that um, it was just awesome. And I think our, you know, one of the things that has really come, become a big word for us in our home, in our home is wholehearted. It's yeah. bringing every piece of your life together and and making it whole. So here's our goals. Here's who we are. How do we make that? How do how does that come across in every area of our lives? So the wholehearted piece we talked about with his band is. You know, hey, we can talk about what we're doing with this group in Africa. We can talk about our small group. We can bring our family to it. We can bring our neighbors to it. It's how it's how we become even more wholehearted yeah. in, in our lives. Yeah. So in my in my work storyline, um, I am going after developing my um, this program and how I live out my compassionate care as I work with seniors with Alzheimer's. If you like living in chaos, you shouldn't do it. But if you like to find, take the chaos and kind of put it into something that really can change your perspective and make you okay with the person that you are, I think that's a big piece of it. It really zones you in on and gives you clarity on what your purpose is. And and I think just gives you a, a, a closeness with God that, okay, God, you made me for this. Yeah. And so um, there's an excitement then of, okay, I've got clarity on that and now I know where we're heading. So it's that passage from Ephesians. It says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. See, long before we first heard of Christ, He had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of what He's working out in everything and in everyone, and that's so important. I hope that you get that. I hope that you own that. I hope that you live that out. But let's not forget where it begins. Not in our identity, but in His sovereignty. Not in our passion and purpose, but in His glorious being. As we move into communion, I have a story that may reorient our thoughts, our lives, and our hearts. I want you to imagine with me, if you will, that you're reconnected with a long-lost friend. Uh, You've been separated for years, but you find yourself at this beautiful kind of retreat center or hotel or wherever in the Pacific Northwest, not far from the ocean. And you kick it off, and it's as if no time has gone by, but then there's like this record scratch in your conversation when you realize that this person, this friend, doesn't know that the earth revolves around the sun. He thinks it's, it's the opposite. And so you pull out your smartphone and you explain the laws of astronomy and physics to the best of your 
ability, you, you'd say, well, the Copernican revolution happened like 400 years ago. Like, we now know it may look like the sun rises and sets, but we're actually orbiting around it. And, and your friend looks at you dumbfounded. They've, they've never heard this before. Uh, kind of awe-inspired, incredulous, all of the above, and kind of in a dazed and confused stupor, you decide, okay, enough for one night. You change the conversation, finish your drink, the two of you go to bed. Now imagine that next morning, while it's still dark, there's a knock on your door, and you wake up, and your friend wants you to walk out to, uh, to overlook the ocean, and the sun is about to rise. You can start to see uh, the beautiful hues in the sky and in the ocean, and the friend says something like this. You know, I've been thinking about our, our conversation, and you know, it sounds really good, but, but that's just not the way it is. The sun has always risen in the east, and it always sets in the west. And science is always coming up with this newfound fad or fantasy. Doesn't the scripture even say, hey, the sun rises and sets? And, and then as the beautiful sun uh, becomes an orb in the sky and the glory of God's creation shines, you know the punchline's coming, and here it is. Now you see with your own eyes. The earth doesn't revolve around the sun. It's the sun that revolves around the earth. Well, it's somewhat of a ridiculous story, isn't it? Because almost no one would hold to that view in our world. And yet, ironically, even in our churches, Christians so often have that idea spiritually. That we think the God of the universe should orbit around our lives instead of reordering our lives around him. So we may come on Sundays and we may read our Bible and we may do our good deeds and we may drop a tip in the offering box. Practically speaking, we may pray and ask God to bless us and go about our merry way. Practically, functionally, spiritually, so many of us, we are still the center of our own universe, are we not? Myself included. And so as important as it has been and is for us to go on this I am journey about our small stories, and it is, and God loves that. He loves you. He died for you. He has great plans for you and the like. But at the end of the day, God's life does not revolve around my life or yours. It's our lives that revolve around the sun. Let me say that again in case we miss it. At the end of the day, God's life does not revolve around our lives. It's our lives that revolve around the sun, pun absolutely intended. And when we can understand that and we can own that, it has the power to set us free, to live the lives God is asking us to live, to be free of shame and guilt and despair. So as we conclude, we're going to do three things all at one time. Believe me, we can do this. I'm going to read that passage from Psalm 139 again, but with a change in the orbit, not about who I am, but who God is. At the same time, you have a note card on your seat, if you'd grab that and that pen. It has two sides, right? First side is sort of your I am side, and what I want you to do about that is to capture two words about what God sees in you that masterpiece. Two words. 
something you've learned or discovered, things he sees about you as his son or daughter. By the way, no wretched sinner. That may be true, but this is the way God sees us. So at best, give it a glorious ruin, okay? Beautifully broken, like we can do that. But let's see how he sees us, okay? Capture those things that are God's masterpiece in you. On the other side, I want you to put two words about who God is. Loving Father, Sovereign King, faithful and true, always here. Does that make sense? And then I'll get up and I'll pray and set up communion for us. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, O oh Lord. You go before me. You follow me. You have your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you have made me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me. Before I was born, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Our lives revolve around God. He is the center of the universe, of all creation, and he invites us to have a seat at the table as we come to the cross.